Hey everyone, welcome to podcast on this professional life where we talk about all things related to building and growing your professional career in today's world. My name is Chris and when I'm not working on this professional life, I'm busy managing business development and marketing initiatives at Denton's, a global law firm. And I'm Nina. And when I'm not busy with working at the professional life, I'm managing clients at Edelman, a global public relations and communications firm. So Nina, what are we talking about today? This is a fun episode. This one's going to be fun. So today we're talking about phrases. Um, I've definitely been on the outskirts of this one. So someone will say, you know, a great phrase and it'll sum up everything that uh, we've been talking about and everyone laughs and I'm left wondering like, what does that mean? Like, why are we trying to teach an old dog tricks? Who has a dog? What are the tricks? Um, so just working through some of those today so that we can all have a better sense of what people are actually saying and what it means and maybe trying them out ourselves as well in conversation. Yeah, you know, as much fun as I had researching some of these idioms that I've found, I have to say that knowing some, if I would have known some of these, uh, you know, before, when we still had in-person events, you know, it makes that conversation less, less awkward. And I think it uh, improves your ability to connect with others because, you know, I, I do know some of them and I have to say being able to join in on the conversation and connect the dots, um, understanding these idioms would really help in certain situations. So hopefully we can go through some of these um, and get you guys up to speed on maybe some you haven't heard before. Uh, but before we begin, Nina, you have, you wanted to start with like Zoom. Uh, I wouldn't call them idioms, but I think things that people are hearing a lot on Zoom. Uh, I know this week, uh, one I heard a lot of is, uh, I have a hard stop at 10 o'clock. And you know, I don't find those annoying. Uh, I think those are great. You know, you're preparing everybody on the call to wrap up all their points ahead of time. But anyways, you have a bunch of Zoom ones that you want to maybe go through. Yeah, let's start with the hard stop one. So that one, I, I can't really think literally what it means. But when you do hear it, you're like, what, what is a hard stop? Like, will your internet cut out? Or are you going to get, you know how Zoom like puts you into different working groups? Is that what's going to happen? But all that that means is that that person has another meeting to attend to and they just need to hop off right then. Um, and Chris, we were just talking earlier that sometimes, yeah, that is very, that's actually great information to have and you can be resourceful and you can actually manage your time better when someone mentions that. So you can either have that person start off the call so they can hop off um, or, you know, as the rest of the team members, you can just be a little bit more efficient with your presentation or your communication so that that person can definitely jump off Leading into my next one, jumping into another call. Um, you are not physically jumping. <laughs> um, but that kind of goes with the hard stop is that when you are uh, going into a different call, a lot of us just say jump and literally just means that we're passing over into different communication. Another one I've also been hearing lately is circle back. <laughs> Uh, sometimes it, I can, I hear why some people are getting annoyed with some of these phrases just because we're hearing them so often. Um, but circle back just means to summarize, to review everything that we've talked about, um, to make sure that we're all on the same page uh, <laughs> going into the next, next I, meeting or conversation. I will admit I use circle back a lot. Um, yeah, circle back, even on conference calls. I use that a lot. And it's, I think I use it more to bridge 
good lord, we're using idioms this whole thing. Uh, I, I usually use it to bridge kind of the, or wrap up the meeting to say, I'll circle back with you. Um, I use that one a lot. There is one thing I've heard, like, you know how, um, I think, the word is mnemonics, but how you will use different, when you meet someone for the first time and like say that their name is Jen. Um, and then you'll think you'll make that comparison of like, oh, Jen is also Jennifer Aniston on the friends. And then you've created this connection. Now you remember this individual's name. So I find that sometimes some of these idioms, they've probably had, they're probably comparing them to a situation that had occurred so that you could remember what that means. But I'm, going to look that up because that is an interesting topic. Okay, let's dive into these. There we go. Everything's an idiom here. <laughs> All right, let's let's dive into some of these phrases that I would say are quite commonly used. Some of them I had to look up, some of them I've heard before, and, and most of them I think we understand what they're about. Um, but I, I did find some origin stories behind them, so I thought that'd be interesting. Uh, Nina, a few that you found, soup to nuts, faint of heart, teach an old dog new tricks. That one's very, very common. Um, I'm assuming uh, older dogs who aren't trained won't new won't know the tricks and it's hard to teach them so they just use that uh as a phrase uh beat around the bush that's another one i hear a lot I, a lot of people like hey i'm not going to beat around the bush i'm going to get to the point um so that's another other one one that very common i would say around the networking circles uh pre-covid in-person events make a long story short i you know if i if I had a dollar or a dime for, see, okay. If I had a dime for every, a quarter for every time I heard, make a long story short, uh, I'd be a very rich person. Um, but yeah, make a long story short. I, and I, I will admit too, I use that sometimes where I'll say, okay, just, you know, make a long story short. And I end up telling the story that takes like 10 minutes. So did I really, did I really make it short? Why did I even have to preface that? Yeah, that's like, you know, when you tell someone like, oh, don't look and you, everybody looks like you can't help but not look. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, some that I found, you know, interesting backstories too. Uh, another common one we hear is wrap your head around something. And I actually never understood that until I read the origin um, clip behind it. And it's because the head is a static object and it's not flexible. Uh, but the imagery of the words indicates some muscular flexibility, <laughs> perhaps like a giraffe or long neck goose is best equipped to get it to move around a corner or a building, perhaps. So I get it, right? You know, you can't wrap your head around it. So for things that are difficult, you're going to say that. Uh, another one that's interesting, speak of the devil. I don't use that a lot, but I've heard a lot of people at networking events do that where they notice someone that they recognize across the room and then they tell you, hey, speak of the devil, so-and-so is here. Um, I don't know if you've heard that one used a lot, Nina. I have, but I try not to use it because I, I, one, I didn't know the origin and I never, I personally don't wanna be called the devil in any situation. So I try not to say it myself, but you know, like we're saying, some of these phrases are just such, they're catch-alls, literally like going back. Um, and so it's, it's just so easy to use them. And when they have become so pro prominent in our communication, 
it's so easy to just, that can be the summary of what we're saying. And like, when you say speak of the devil, typically we'll make that connection of like, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. Like you were just talking about this person or like, what are the chances that they would be here? Um, so yeah, that one, yeah. definitely heard that's a funny one. And that one, as they said, there's like nothing sinister implied to it now. Um, but the origin behind that is in the uh, early 20th century, it was actually not um, lighthearted at all. It was actually, uh, there was this superstition, right, that if you speak the devil's name, uh, he will appear. And so you would say, speak of the devil, uh, you wouldn't say their name. Uh, so it's interesting how now it's turned more into something more lighthearted and not so uh, religious. Uh, cutting corners. That's one, you know what, I admit I will use as well in team meetings where it's like, hey guys, we shouldn't cut corners. Uh, so origin on that, um, really the act of, you know, taking the shortest possible route. They actually go back to when they were hunting foxes, I think, in England. And if you wouldn't follow a certain path, uh, that the dogs were leading and you would go another way, you were literally cutting a corner and it didn't turn out well. Um, and they also, for like horse carriages that are turning too fast and they hit a corner, when they cut that corner, it often flipped the carriage over. So it's become a, a negative connotation, cutting corners, uh, just taking the easiest way possible to get something done. I wonder how, if any of those cut corners were actually efficient. But yeah, I hear you. It's definitely typically uh, a negative uh, connotation with that one. Interesting you bring that up. If, if it was more, cutting corner is more efficient. <laughs> Could be possible. I think I'm thinking of Pythagorean theorem. Where... <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, one, again, another one. So a lot of these I pick are ones I hear quite often at networking events. And so the late... Uh, evening networking events, you'll hear the, let's call it a night, let's call it a day. Um, there's a bit of a story behind that. Actually, the original phrase was actually call it half a day. Uh, and supposedly first recorded in 1838. And it referred to leaving your place of employment before the workday was over. Uh, the first recorded use of call it a day was 1919 and call it a night was in 1938. It's very interesting how they got these uh, mapped out. I'm sure they were used earlier, um, but someone decided that was the first date that were used. But interestingly enough, it was first call it half a day. So people just took half the day off, I guess. Or the workday was just half a day. I don't know. That's interesting. I wonder now because when we're working from home and some of our occupations are just so demanding, when can we use that phrase now? Like, when is it half a day? When is it a day? When is can when can we call it a night? Um, I'm sure typically it used to be 5 p.m., but now with our flexible hours, some of us are probably calling it a night at like 10. <laughs> yeah, you know, one that I again I will admittedly say I used ever since. Um, Ever since I had kids, I, I oftentimes when I want to leave, but like I don't want to make a big deal and I don't want to look like I'm not interested in staying is literally I'm, I'm tired. So I'll throw in the, hey, you know, when you have kids, nine o'clock is like midnight, right? <laughs> and then people go, oh, I get it, I get it. I'm like, and so on that note, I'm going to head out. 
That's another one. I didn't find on that note. I use that one a lot. I notice in my podcast too. <laughs> I use that a lot. It's funny because I think many of us probably say we use the word like a lot or and or ums. But in reality, I would say we use idioms way more. Yeah. As we're finding out today. Yes, we are. Now we're more aware of it. Uh, bite the bullet. That was an interesting one. And uh, the origin, they say, is from when they, when surgeons used to conduct surgery on people and there was no anesthetic. And so they had to bite on something. But what's interesting is normally they would bite on like a piece of leather or cloth. So I'm not sure. I couldn't find out why it was changed to bite the bullet um, and why we're not using <laughs> bite the leather. I don't know. Throw caution to the wind. So to take a risk. I haven't heard that one that often, but throw caution to the wind. Sometimes I hear it. I've actually never heard that one before. Now you should use it. <laughs> now that I know what it means and where it came from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one for sure a lot, especially in the private capital order. Heard this next one. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Have you heard that one, Nina? Yes, but I don't understand because I always have my cake and I eat it too. I would never cut a slice of cake and then not eat it. Um, so this one, I, I know I get what it means, but it's never made sense to me. Yeah, and it's interesting. So the origin is that it can be used to say that one cannot have two incompatible things or that one should try to have more than what's reasonable. So the Proverbs meaning is similar to phrases like you can't have it both ways or you can't have the best of both worlds. And you know what? I do hear that one a lot. You know, you can't have the best of both worlds, right? And I don't know. I, I, I would say some entrepreneurs out there would like to challenge people whenever they hear that. Sure, I'm going to have it all. Um, another common one is you can't judge a book by its cover. That one, obviously, we hear a lot of. Uh, Nina, what's that one about? So that one, it, I guess I can speak to the origins quickly. So it is a phrase attributed to the 1944 edition of an African journal of American speech so that you can't judge a book by its binding. Um, and it was actually more popularized when it appeared in 1946, A Murder Mystery, um, so Murder in the Glass Room by Lester Fuller and Edwin Rolf. Um, but it's basically saying that like, you can't judge what's on the inside based on what's on the outside. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if you've ever had like some of your hardcover books when you can kind of take that um, panel off and you see what's on the inside and it's just blank. Um, so I find, I always find that interesting that the author went out of their way to add this extra layer um, of paper with like an, a captivating image for me to want to pick that uh, book up. But then when you peel back that layer, there, it's blank. There's nothing on it. Um, interesting. And I would say that is a great marketing technique because there's definitely been a couple of times when you go to the bookstore, you go to the library, um, you're trying to find uh, a book to sign out or purchase and anything that has like a little bit more of a captivating image. I, oh, I would say nine out of 10 times, I will grab that book. Because it's just, you know, you, you feel like there's insight into what what's coming next. And if it's insight exciting, I'll probably want to read it. Um, and if it's just blank, uh, probably not intrigued. <laughs> So you are judging the book by its cover. <laughs> oh, marketing, marketing. And the last one here, uh, I will say too, I've used quite a bit, which whenever I use it, I hate it because it means we have more work to do. 
Um, but back to the drawing board. Very interesting one. Um, the phrase, so here's the origin story, it was or originated in a cartoon by U.S. cartoonist Peter Arno. Um, and actually, I, I saw an image of, of it, and what it was was a cartoon. It showed a plane that just crashed and was smoldering on the ground, and literally uh, the engineers were walking away, and uh, the person was walking away, and on the bottom of the caption said, uh, back to the drawing board. And so that was the first time that it was used. And of course, it meant, okay, we got to fix this plane. But it has been since used everywhere now. Whenever an idea doesn't work or you're executing an initiative and it doesn't work, we all say back to drawing board. And yes, I use it a lot. Uh, speaking of airplanes, another one that is my favorite is building the airplane as we're flying. Uh, <laughs> and it, it sounds yes. so impractical sounds like a safety hazard but that is off so often the case when you're crunched for time or you're not really sure it's the first time you're doing something you're, so you're kind of like building it as you go um but yeah definitely the first couple of times i heard that i was like this does not sound like a good idea <laughs> <laughs> and it's typically well, not <laughs> well and isn't that maybe the reason why you say it right it's not a good idea that we're building it as we go maybe it is a warning although i you know, there are times where people are like, no, we sh we're going to build it as we go because we don't know what's, you know, going to happen. I don't know. Just hope that you don't cut any corners there because then you'll be back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> if we, we could combine a lot of these together, couldn't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and you'd have to piece each and every one to understand <laughs> yeah. what it meant. But yeah. yeah. All right, everyone, thanks for taking the time to listen to this fun topic today. And maybe you've learned some new idioms that you can use at your next Zoom meeting or when things open back up, your next in-person meeting. Make sure to drop your comments below. Let us know some of the idioms that you've heard um, that we didn't cover today. We'd like to hear from you. Don't forget to hit the subscribe, follow, and like button as every little bit helps. And shoot us a message on other topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. I'm Chris. And I'm Nina. Thanks for joining us today.